chapter forty three part one of struggles and triumphs or forty years recollections of p t barnum written by himself this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. struggles and triumphs of p t barnum chapter forty three the new museum part one my new museum on broadway was liberally patronized from the start but i felt that still more attractions were necessary in order to ensure constant success i therefore made arrangements with the renowned van amberg menagerie company to unite their entire collection of living wild animals with the museum the new company was known as the barnum and van amberg museum and menagerie company and as such was chartered by the connecticut legislature the new york legislature having refused us a charter unless i would see the ring a thousand dollars worth which i declined i owned forty per cent and the van amberg company held the remaining sixty per cent in the new enterprise which comprehended a large travelling menagerie throughout the country in summer and the placing of the wild animals in the museum in winter the capital of the company was one million of dollars with the privilege of doubling the amount as one of the conditions of the new arrangement it was stipulated that i should withdraw from all active personal attention to the museum but should permit my name to be announced as general manager and i was also elected president of the company this arrangement gave me the comparative tranquillity which i now began to desire i spent most of my time in bridgeport except in winter when i resided in new york i usually visited the museum about once a week but sometimes was absent for several months meanwhile immense additions were made to the curiosity departments of the new museum every penny of the profits of this museum and of the two immense travelling menageries of wild animals was expended in procuring additional attractions for our patrons among the other valuable novelties introduced in this establishment was the famous collection made by the renowned lion slayer gordon cummings this was purchased for me by my faithful friend mr george a wells who was then travelling in great britain with general tom thumb the collection consisted of many hundreds of skins tusks heads and skeletons of nearly every species of african animal including numerous rare specimens never before exhibited on this continent it was a great museum in itself and as such it attracted much attention in london and elsewhere but it was a mere addition to our museum and menagerie and was exhibited without extra charge for admission in the summer of eighteen sixty seven i saw in several new york newspapers a thrilling account of an immense gorilla which had arrived from africa in charge of barnum's agent for the barnum and van amberg company the accounts described the removal of the savage animal in a strong iron cage from the ship and his transportation up broadway to the museum his cries and roarings were said to have been terrible and when he was taken into the menagerie he was reported to have bent the heavy iron bars of his cage and in his rage to have seized a poker which was thrust at him and to have twisted it as if it had been a bit of wire nothing so startlingly sensational in the line of zoological description had appeared since the tribune's famous report of the burning of the american museum in eighteen sixty five for several years i had been trying to secure such an animal and several african travellers had promised to do their best to procure one for me and i had offered as high as twenty thousand dollars for the delivery in new york of a full-grown healthy gorilla 
from the minute description now given by the reporters i was convinced that at last the long-sought prize had been secured i was greatly elated and at once wrote from bridgeport to our manager mr ferguson advising him how to exhibit the valuable animal and particularly how to preserve its precious life as long as might be possible i have owned many orangutans and all of them die ultimately of pulmonary disease indeed it is difficult to keep specimens of the monkey tribe through the winter in our climate on account of their tendency to consumption i therefore advised mr ferguson to have a cage so constructed that no draught of air could pass through it and i further instructed him in methods of guarding against the gorillas taking cold a few days later i went to new york expressly to see the gorilla and on visiting the museum i was vexed beyond measure to find that the animal was simply a huge baboon he was chained down so that he could not stand erect nor turn his back to visitors his keeper could easily irritate him and when the animal was excited he would seize the iron bars with both hands and uttering horrid screams would shake the cage so fiercely that it could be heard and felt in the adjoining saloons no doubt many of the visitors recalled du chelou's account of the genuine gorilla and were convinced that the veritable animal was before them but i had been too long in the business to be caught by such chaff and approaching the keeper i asked him why did he not lengthen the chain so that the animal could stand up because if i do he will show his tail the keeper confidentially whispered in my ear the imposition was so silly and transparent that i did not care how soon it was exposed as usual however i looked at the funny side of the matter and immediately enclosed a ticket to my friend mr paul du chalou who was then stopping at the fifth avenue hotel at the same time writing to the great african traveller that much as he had done the barnum and van amberg company had done more since he had only killed gorillas while we had secured a living one and brought the monster safely from africa to america i informed him moreover that all the gorillas he had seen and described were tailless while our far more remarkable specimen had a tail full four feet long mr duchelieu came into the museum that afternoon in great glee with my open letter in his hand ah mr barnum he exclaimed this is the funniest letter i ever received of course you know your gorilla is no gorilla at all but only a baboon i will not look at him for when people ask me about barnum's gorilla i prefer to be able to say that i have not seen him on the contrary said i i particularly desire that you should see the animal and expose it the imposition is too ridiculous true but i think your letter is more curious than your animal then i give you full leave to read the letter to all who ask you about the gorilla thank you said du chelieu and i wish you would let me read it in my lectures at the west where i am soon going on a tour i consented that he should do so and i afterwards heard that he was delighting as well as enlightening western audiences on the subject of manager ferguson's management of the great gorilla in the barnum and van amberg museum and menagerie the menagerie of living animals was superior in extent to any other similar collection in america embracing as it did almost every description of wild animal ever exhibited including the smallest african elephant and the only living giraffe then in the united states the collection of lions and royal bengal tigers was superb there was a cage full of young lions that attracted great attention and the whole menagerie was an exceedingly valuable one 
when i say that to these attractions was added an able dramatic company which performed every afternoon and evening and that the admission to the entire establishment was but thirty cents with no extra charge except for a few front seats and private boxes it is no wonder that this immense building five stories high and covering ground seventy-five by two hundred feet in area was thronged from sunrise to ten p m and from top to bottom with country and city visitors of both sexes and all ages the public was soon thoroughly convinced of the facts first that never before was such an outlay made for so great an assemblage of useful and amusing attractions combining instruction with amusement and thrown open to the people at so small a charge for admission and second that the surest way of deriving the greatest profit in the long run is to give people as much as possible for their money that these facts were fully impressed upon our patrons is instanced in the monthly returns made to the united states collector of internal revenue for the district which showed that our receipts were larger than those of wallach's theatre niblo's garden or any other theatre or place of amusement in new york or in america anxious to gather curiosities from every quarter of the globe i sent mr john greenwood jr who went for me to the isle of cyprus and to constantinople in eighteen sixty four on the quaker city excursion which left new york june eighth eighteen sixty seven and returned in the following november during his absence mr greenwood travelled seventeen thousand seven hundred thirty five miles and brought back several interesting relics from the holy land which were duly deposited in the museum very soon after entering upon the premises i built a new and larger lecture-room which was one of the most commodious and complete theatres in new york and i largely increased the dramatic company our collection swelled so rapidly that we were obliged to extend our premises by the addition of another building forty by one hundred feet adjoining the museum this addition gave us several new halls which were speedily filled with curiosities the rapid expansion of the establishment and the immense interest excited in the public mind led me to consider a plan i had long contemplated of taking some decided steps towards the foundation of a great free institution which should be similar to and in some respects superior to the british museum in london the barnum and van amberg museum and menagerie company chartered with a capital of two million dollars had in addition to the new york establishment thirty acres of land in bridgeport whereon it was proposed to erect suitable buildings and glass and wire edifices for breeding and acclimating rare animals and birds and training such of them as were fit for public performances in time a new building in new york covering a whole square and farther up town would be needed for the mammoth exhibition and i was not without hopes that i might be the means of establishing permanently in the city an extensive zoological garden it was also my intention ultimately to make my museum the nucleus of a great free national institution when the american museum was burned and i turned my attention to the collection of fresh curiosities i felt i needed other assistance than that of my own agents in america and europe it occurred to me that if our government representatives abroad would but use their influence to secure curiosities in the respective countries to which they were delegated a free public museum might at once be begun in new york and i proposed to offer a part of my own establishment rent-free for the deposit and exhibition of such rarities as might be collected in this way 
accordingly a week after the destruction of the american museum a memorial was addressed to the president of the united states asking him to give his sanction to the new effort to furnish the means of useful information and wholesome amusement and to give such instructions to public officers abroad as would enable them without any conflict with their legitimate duties to give efficiency to this truly national movement for the advancement of the public good without cost to the government this memorial was dated july twentieth eighteen sixty five and was signed by messrs e d morgan moses taylor abram wakeman simeon draper moses h grinnell stephen knapp benjamin r winthrop charles gould william c bryant james wadsworth tunis w quick john a pitkin willis gaylord prosper m wetmore henry ward beecher and horace greeley this memorial was in due time presented and was endorsed as follows executive mansion washington d c april twenty seventh eighteen sixty six the purpose set forth in this memorial is highly approved and commended and our ministers councils and commercial agents are requested to give whatever influence in carrying out the object within stated they may deem compatible with the duties of their respective positions and not inconsistent with the public interests andrew johnson i went to washington myself and had interviews with the president secretaries seward mcculloch and wells and also with assistant secretary of the navy g v fox who gave me several muskets and other rebel trophies during my stay at the capitol i had a pleasant interview with general grant who told me he had lately visited my museum with one of his sons and had been greatly gratified upon my mentioning among other projects that i had an idea of collecting the hats of distinguished individuals he at once offered to send an orderly for the hat he had worn during his principal campaigns all these gentlemen cordially approved of my plan for the establishment of a national museum in new york End of chapter 43, part 1.